You know, Neil, I can't believe we had already recorded like 20 minutes of a podcast Shut up, Ed. and you actually hadn't saved it you're at the, all. You're the worst podcaster in the history of podcasts. No, I can't. I don't understand. Neil, you know the first time you podcasted was My- with two aluminum cans and a string. Aluminum hadn't been invented when I started podcasting, and you know that. Well, and, I, and my dog writes better stories than you. Yeah, I'm sure your dog does write better In stories poop. than me. And I mean, it, come on. Here, here's what I don't understand, what, Neil. Among what? I want a you to shut up. Stuff. Don't a you just don't, don't you understand. just shut just shut up, you, Neil? Well, you shut up first. If you shut up first, I'll shut up second. But you, I said shut up second, so. Now it's on. Now I don't even know what to say anymore. Uh, well, I can't even answer to this new? inane bullcrap. What else is new? Yeah, what else is new? This is the For Those Who Inquired podcast. And if you were wondering, we just recapped the entire first national debate between current president Donald Trump and hopeful president Joe Biden. And uh, by the way, Ed wasn't kidding about doing a few moments without being without recording. I forgot to hit the record button, but yeah. I've only been doing this... For like probably forty or fifty years. Sometimes so the one simple, of these days I'll catch on. Yeah. Sometimes the simple things. Can I blame it on being old? Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I'm just, gonna go with the old. Thing. Just like you can blame the first entire national debate on being old. <laughs> Two white guys completely out of touch. I'm gonna go with with old. And now I don't know about you, but now we're doing a podcast with one guy completely out of touch. Yeah, but I mean, and it's me. Trust no, me. No, it's I me. Promise. No, I didn't, I didn't watch any NFL this week. Didn't watch any NBA. Completely out of touch on both of them. Well, I will but I, say, but you did watch a lot of Major League Baseball. I did. I I did do that, but I am going to watch the Titans and Steelers game. Oh, no, you're uh, not. It got, that, it got so postponed. I, oh, well, doggone. So it looks like I'm not watching it after all. So <laughs> so I'm going to go another week without watching anything NFL. Yeah, the uh, Titans and the Steelers postponed because of COVID-19. Uh, the Titans come away with a last-second win against Minnesota. Pittsburgh moves to 3-0. You look like you're going to get a big-time afternoon matinee on Sunday between two oh. 3-0 teams, and nope. Well, I hate that for Titans fans, but uh, Dave's a Steelers fan, so <laughs> your team doesn't get to play. Yeah, sorry, Dave. Suck it, dude! Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. It's going to be a bye week for you. <laughs> you see, the funny part about it is now what's probably going to happen from a scheduling standpoint is week seven and week eight are now all of a sudden looking like they're going to be in flux as yeah. far as like flexing these games to those weeks. So your bye weeks are now accidentally, but you're going to have to trudge through it and you know, honestly, with the NFL having bye weeks built in naturally, it, it kind of makes it kind of makes sense. Yeah, that, that helps. It's a good idea. It's it's unfortunate from an injury standpoint. Like if you actually have, not that COVID's not a real injury, but if you actually have ACLs, pectoral issues, strains, so on and so forth, you're just gonna have to trudge through it at this point because now you've burned your bye week for this week because yeah. of COVID testing. So mm, it's uh, it's a really unfortunate situation, but here we are. And we are recording now, so I just wanted to double-check. <laughs> what, mir- <laughs> what, what a miracle. Double-check that one real quick. So, um, I think the one thing that you had preempted me to discuss in the uh, first original uh, version of this podcast <laughs> is the lack that— Take one. You know, Take well, the, the reason that I have, uh, you know, saved this podcast uh, for Wednesday uh, and Thursday, actually— uh, was because, one, I was writing Monday through Wednesday, and we had first region boys and girls uh, golf tournaments in uh, Murray and Calvert City. Had some features that I had to take care of, some some pre-Friday writing for high school football. But the other reason is uh, I was waiting for the Reds to score some runs. <laughs> and still are. And I still am. <laughs> exactly. What a tremendous mm. pitching duel, though. Absolutely. Uh, it went on into the bullpen. The starters were fantastic, but uh, the bullpen was great. The The Reds did squab- squander a, an opportunity or two. Three. But, uh, four. And then decided uh, 
this Freeman guy, we're checking out his statistics, and he's only hitting like 138. Well, that's true if you had his statistics from the first 10 games because he's been on fire ever since. He has been. And Freeman did him in. Yeah, and, and so here's the tough part about it, and I don't – I mean – we're, I guess we're allowed to be armchair armchair coaches at this point. That's right. The the base running blunder between the Reds on the double steal late in the game, to me, was it, it was not as egregious as pitching to Freeman with second base open. You had runners on the corners. Freeman is the hottest hitter in the National League. The hottest. The MVP candidate, I would say. You know, if there was going to be a discussion for the National League, uh, National League's top honor, and all of a sudden we bring in Amir Garrett, who has been stunningly good this year as a setup man. You know, we we saved him for later, and you know he he pitched in, into a tough situation. He didn't even take the loss. Like he came in and made like two pitches to to Freeman, and Freeman blooped him for a single. Like the, it was only like Atlanta's sixth hit, and they win one to nothing. I'm not even going to blame it on Garrett. I thought it was a good pitch. And he has good control, so if he's a guy that walked a bunch, you might not want to load the bases. Right. But that wasn't the case. No, Garrett is good. Garrett's command is good. So if you were going to walk to load the bases, you intentionally walk Freddie Freeman because he's going to put a bat on the ball. Garrett's pitch was an off-speed low, right at, basically right at Freddie's knees, a little higher. Freddie, go look at his swing. Go watch the video. Freddie kind of had to golf it into the the outfield. Those are called professional hitters for a reason. Yeah, that's a reason. In the minor leagues, that's an out. Yeah. And in the major leagues, you got guys that can do that. That's a bloop. That's That's a single. There you go. And that's all they needed. They didn't need a power hit. They didn't need a home run to win the game. With first and third and second base open, there's not really much of a shift from an infield perspective. All you need is a bloop, and it's game over. And that's exactly what they got from their National League MVP. I know he hasn't been named that yet, but I think it's just a matter of time before he gets the honor. Unbelievable. I Look, I know, I know Braves fans are still lamenting last year's just devastating loss to the St. Louis Cardinals. Just devastating. Come in and just gave them the 10, 10 runs right away, and let's just off you you know in your sleep but man I mean for that game to be so well pitched there were just so many opportunities for the Reds to steal the first game like if you if you don't think you're gonna win the second game or even the third game let's get a three-game series out of two of the better National League teams the only reason the Reds though are in this position to begin with is because they squandered it around in the first start of the season I remember you and I talking 70 days ago, and the Reds had lost to you know three of four to the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, had the Reds taken care of business in the first couple months of the season instead of winning, tw- you know, 10 of the last 12, then they wouldn't be in this position of seven. Maybe they would have been the two or three, and yeah. they would have been hosting these games instead of finding themselves in a tough situation against Atlanta. So, bullpen was a joke early on for the Reds. Uh, Rossiel Iglesias uh, couldn't get a save. Could not at all. Uh, guys before him couldn't get it to him to get a save uh, frequently. But then he righted the ship. He's pitched great over the last uh, six weeks or so, uh, and that's been one of the reasons that they're in the playoffs right now is because the pitching has come along for them. Well, and the thing about it is the starting pitching has been terrific for the Reds all year long, but something reared its ugly head yesterday, and that was a lack of offense. The Reds, to start the season, found it extremely difficult to score runs with their starting pitching. Sonny Gray, 
Trevor Bauer. You know, their records are pretty good, but they could have been even a little better if they'd gotten some of that run support early on. Yeah. And again, that reared that reared its ugly head yesterday uh, against the Atlanta Braves. So I, I'm happy for Braves fans, but as a as a Reds fan, golly, just one run. If we lose two to one, we at least gave Bauer a run. Like, yeah. how can you not give one of the greatest postseason pitching performances ever? Like twelve strikeouts, no runs, two hits. Nobody's ever done no walks. Nobody's ever done that in postseason pitching history. Yesterday was the first time. And we just it's also the first time in postseason history that a team gets eleven hits and no runs. And I how do you do that? Also or in in the just think how long the Reds have been around. Since the eighteen hundreds that that's the first postseason game where a guy struck out twelve, which kind of shocked me. I figured with all the years they've been around, I realize they're not in postseason every year, but they've been there a lot, right? Because of their longevity, and that's how historic that pitching was. What are the the two oldest teams in Major League Baseball? Are the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds? Aren't they? Not. I, I do not know. I do know the Reds are, are hands down. I mean, they were playing professional baseball when there was no other teams to play professional baseball. Right. They're the only team with an unbeaten season. But the right. But the yeah. Cardinals. Right. But the Cardinals. The Cardinals' inception in Major League Baseball was in 1876. Yeah, I mean, there, there were teams in the 1800s. I just don't remember who the first two were. Now, the Reds were first. I do not. I honestly don't know who the second one was. I think it's St. Louis. Believe it or not, I wasn't look. doing a podcast back then. So well, back then, know. that's when you had two aluminum cans and a string to do the podcast. Again, no, it was tin. Aluminum hadn't been invented. No, that's yet. true. It was tin. My apologies. My a tin, it was a tin. It was a tin. Cup. Stop using it. Something about tin poisoning or yeah, something like that. And coating them with lead inside. Oh, I got lead poisoning. It's bad for me. I'm. Diff- it's like okay. Let's not use lead. Oh. What can we do with it? Let's put it in gas. That's a good idea. <laughs> it'll uh, make our cars go. No, let's not. And it'll make us die a lot quicker <laughs> from cancer. Anyway, uh, since you talked about the Reds, for uh, I got to talk about the Cardinals. They jump on. Um, Slam Diego. They did, and uh, Paul Goldschmidt hitting the homer. They got the big lead. Uh, Four four runs in the first inning. Some anxious moments, but uh, still hung on, got the win, got some good pitching out of the bullpen. Today they get Wainwright. San Diego's pitching is in shambles uh, with two of their starters out. They have some issues. Uh, They'll go with uh, Davies today, and then it's basically bullpen day if they make it to game three tomorrow for San Diego. And it's really devastating. I know you're a Cardinals fan. I know the four people that listen to this podcast are Cardinals fans, but here's my frustration with it all. I just want to see somebody else move on. Like, I just want to see somebody else move on. Like, it's just whatever. Congratulations to the Cardinals and your longevity into the postseason. Hats off to you, not really. I'm just Shut kidding. up, Ed. I want to interrupt you now. That's fine. You can do that. <laughs> I just want to see new young talent in Major League Playoffs. We have some. Dylan Carlson, he's going to be there. Yeah, no. I he's mean, new, he's young. <laughs> I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, Will Kim, Myers. I our mean, pitcher. I mean, I mean the Slam Diego Padres is what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a hot, hot team, and they're really, really good. And you're right. It, I mean, if the Cardinals... Slow and steady wins the race, and slow and steady wins the race. There you go. Uh, my other team that I root for, the Indians, uh, they, they, they did well. They officially suck. So uh, their problem was they couldn't keep the Yankees from getting runs. Uh, Eleven the first game, ten last night, gave up a big. Uh, One they, of the best pitching rotations unreal. in Major League Baseball. It, it, the, it, there was even people picking the Indians to win it all yeah. because of that pitching. Yeah. They're going to win it all. No, they're not. No, they were out in two games. Two games. Uh, and they, averaging giving up ten and a half runs a game, and in Major League Baseball, that will get you beat by anybody almost all the time. Yeah, 
And look, I did Bieber, did that staff just cash in all of its arms to get to the where it was? Possibly. Cleveland also was having trouble manufacturing runs early in the year. That also reared its ugly head because neither starting pitcher got significant, you know, you know, run support. Yeah. And then the Yankees just shelled those pitching staff. I mean, just blew them away. Yeah. Problem is, the Yankees are healthy. Yeah. They have not been healthy all year. They get to the postseason, they're like, huh, oh, 60 games in, we're finally here. Cool. Our guys are healthy. What's young Carlo Stanton going to do? What's Aaron Judge going to do? What's DJ LeMahieu going to do? Oh, we're just going to murder the Then best Ursula hits the grand slam. Gio Ursula just, yeah, it was over. It was over at that point. And I went to bed uh, thinking, though, the Indians, they're going to win this, though. They'll, they'll win it, and then they blew it in the ninth inning. So. Yep. I just can't. I used to, uh, Ed, just to show you the age thing, I would have been up until the last pitch was played, just what I did. Dude, I couldn't make it till 10 o'clock last night. I, I, and I had, granted, I had watched like seven hours of baseball, but still. <laughs> but that was all I could do. But that was the beautiful thing about <laughs> Wednesday know? is that for that type of a hump day, you had baseball. That was like, uh, that was like midnight madness. You had or or Pac-12 after dark. You had games all day for baseball fans. That was the beautiful part I thought about right. yesterday about Wednesday was that if you wanted to watch playoff baseball. Well, first of all, the Reds game lasted five hours. Yeah, what well, was perfect because it gives me fifteen minutes to go get something to eat, and then the Cardinals were on. Right, really perfect. Yeah, I appreciate that. As a matter of fact, I think maybe the Reds did the Cardinals fans a favor. They're like, you know, you just want to watch some good baseball yeah. leading up. To- I you- loved it. If you're too anxious for the for the Cardinals game, just watch our game for the next two hours because we're going to the thirteenth. Yeah, yeah so, it was really fun. I, I enjoyed that day. Uh, you know, told them here, look, I, I, I'm going to have to leave early. I, I got someone coming to the house to look at the stove. So I went in there and looked at the stove and then went and watched baseball. <laughs> the hot stove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just looked at the stove. and looked, Just so I'm honest. You yep. uh, Yeah, you had That's someone look stove. at the stove. You check the time on the stove. The that time says it's time for baseball. That's it. <laughs> I went in there and watched a little baseball. My stove has popcorn on it. I'm ready to go. That's it. That's hilarious. So... You know what's not on the stove? What's not on the stove? The football schedule for the FCS teams that we care about. It is not. For the spring. Yeah, for Even the though there are two OVC games this week, yeah. Houston Baptist at Eastern Kentucky, Jacksonville State at Florida State, no one else is playing. It's a bye week. I mean, Florida State's got to get a win, right? I would think so. Woo! Yeah. There's a lot of angry people in Florida right now about Florida State and how it, they've basically trailed off into the – Deep dark sunset of the Everglades because Florida State hasn't been as dominant in the last three to four years as it used to be, even as early as Jameis Winston and how talented that Florida State team was. You know, yeah. you haven't seen right anybody. Now it's Miami, Miami Clemson, what looming next week? Yep, I think mm-hmm. that's looks like that's going to be one of the major games. Miami seems to be back. Yeah, and um, and and Clemson's as good as ever. I mean, Trevor Lawrence right. is Trevor Lawrence. So the thing about it for Jacksonville State. I, that's a fun game. You got to go down there and and just enjoy it. Quite yeah. frankly, I mean that's their first game back this fall. It is correct. Yep. And then EKU, they're warmed up. You know, game four for them. Yeah, it's not only is it game four, they're in a regular schedule still. Yeah. Nothing seems to have changed. We haven't heard any major implications of COVID nope. or things like that. At least not yet. Uh, so that's you knock on wood. Good for good for EKU. The one thing I will say, this is quite the test. For EKU, yeah. I know that Houston Baptist is 0-3. Bailey Zapp is legit, like legit. He came into this season with legit hype, 
as an FCS quarterback. Now he's added 12 touchdowns and just one interception and more than 1,400 yards passing against three FBS opponents. That's nice. Yeah, they lost to North Texas. They nearly beat Texas Tech at Lubbock. And then they lost, Dang. and then they lost to uh, La Tech, which La Tech, you know, they they might win Conference USA uh, if they can get past, you know, Western and a couple other teams in that, you know, in that in that division. So it, I mean, Houston Baptist's offense is terrific, particularly at the quarterback position. That's a fun game. If I'm in Richmond, I've got to go. Like, I mean, that's that that's got a chance to be a really, really, really fun atmosphere. Albeit with its limited, you know, limited, you know, amount of fans. So, I, I, I would expect from a racer perspective, Neil. If I had to guess, I mean, do we think the schedule arrives within the next fourteen to twenty-one days? We're talking football. I believe it's being finalized this week, and uh, this is from a couple of different sources. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'll be released next week. So I think we'll know. And I don't mean the racer schedule. I mean the OVC schedule, right? So uh, their timeline, yeah, that's their timeline, and I believe that's what we're looking at. So sometime now, I don't know what day next week. So if it's not Monday, Tuesday, I have no idea. But uh, you know, the powers that be are working on it. Of course, the presidents have to sign off on it. I understand that entirely. Once those things happen, we will get a release. So I think we're really close to it for football, and uh, I think next week's going to be the week. I'd like to dovetail slightly on some OVC discussion. I can say that <clears throat> the machinations, uh, so to speak, of the OVC Digital Media Day for Basketball have started That's right. to arrive. Yeah, yeah. we uh, believe most of the media here in western Kentucky and northwest Tennessee and southern Illinois have received information from one Kyle Schwartz yep. uh, of the OVC to, to ask basically any local media of their needs and recommendations for a Digital Media Day. So yep. I would say we are starting to slowly but surely dip our toes into the water that will be this season. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that media day will come. Clearly, we have some recommendations from the NCAA that college basketball will begin the week of Thanksgiving, uh, starting November 25th further. I don't think we'll have an OVC media day on November 24th. No. But I don't think we're going to have an OVC media day on October 7th either. No, it it needs to be, for one thing, after the team schedules are out. It's tough to talk about your team when he's like, when when do you play? I don't know. I don't know who we play. I don't know when we play. Yeah. I can't release that yet. Well, it needs to be after the schedules come out. Right. Which I assume, I believe everybody's will be done and out by November 1st. Right. I really don't believe it'll be later than that. I don't think it'll be later than that. I think it might be earlier, but November 1st is, well, is that like a random Tuesday or something like that? That's a Sunday. So it'll probably be so, October okay. 30th. Yeah. I'd say that's the latest that it'll be out. I can't imagine you not having your schedule out by November. I realize these are different times, but this, unless you're altering the conference schedule and going to some sort of a bubble situation, it's already locked in. You were going to start uh, the racers, in, unless they change something, they will play – New Year's Eve, or no, we're spending New Year's. I think we play the 30th and wherever, spend New Year's, I don't remember. No, we play New Year's Eve in uh, Charleston, Illinois. Yeah. Then we spend the night, and then we go to uh, SIU Edwardsville. So that's our first two games. Don't forget, right after Christmas, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it? Or is it right before Christmas you're playing Auburn? Well, let's just have a look. 
Yeah, the, well, the Auburn thing, yeah, I don't even have – I don't even know if they're playing that, so I don't even have that on the schedule. Well, right it's – I mean, I understand that a Eastern lot of Eastern those... Illinois, the 31st of December and the 2nd, SIU Edwardsville, then at SEMO the 7th, at UT Martin the 9th, and the Racers' home opener will be Thursday, the 14th of January, Jacksonville State, Tennessee Tech, Saturday the 16th, if that schedule holds right. true. That was the schedule before COVID – and that could be changed drastically. It may not look anything like that. So don't go out and say, "Oh, this is that is not the schedule." Yeah, that was the schedule before COVID. The reason the reason that I even bring up Auburn is the contractual obligation. Uh, I mean the 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 contract with Memphis that was supposed to happen on November twenty first. Clearly, with November twenty fifth being the start date, that's either going to have to be altered or shifted to next season. Right. I, I get that. I'm not. I'm not even going to just leap out and take a guess as to where that would be. I'd love to see Murray State play Memphis this year with the two teams that these programs are going to have, but I can't guarantee that they're going to be able to renegotiate with a tighter window between December first and December thirty first. So I, I don't know. Like I said, I have no idea what the non conference schedule is going to look like. Me either. Here's the one thing that I'm excited about. In a lot of ways, fans and media alike are probably going to get the schedule roughly at the same time. You're right. Yeah, you know, we may get a heads up on a couple of things. But we're going to get it all at the same time, and we're all going to be able to analyze it in the flash pan immediately as mm-hmm. it hits the fryer. Yes. So, you know, and I know coaches don't like that. I'm sure Matt McMahon and his staff right now would love nothing more than to have, than to have some sort of certainty as to what their season is going to look like uh, from a non-conference perspective. Right. Uh, but, I mean, there's still questions in the air about what conference is going to look like. I, I mean, you and I have been told there is a – considerable debate about this the very real possibility of chunking out games in specific areas yes in order to being discussed yeah in order to effectively get all the games done at the same time so that there's a, a less chance of, of of covid spread um and containing those clean sanitized areas the other thing that i'm still curious about is how serious are the racers about getting closer to 27 games can they play an MTE, you know, a, a, a midterm exception. Can they play one of those types of game, you know, tournament situations? Are they even interested in that with this squad? I would think <clears throat> if I had to just ballpark it, maybe because of the way last season ended. You were a basket away from going to the NCAA tournament. You were more than likely, if not going to take on a postseason tournament in some form or fashion – what better way to find out with what you've got than to just take that momentum that you knew you had going to the end of last season and saying, all right, we brought back a bulk of our, our scoring and our talent. Let's go play an MTE. Mm-hmm. Are the racers going to do that? I don't know. I can't speak to that. Yeah. I haven't seen John Rothstein or anybody else you know, blow it up saying that they have, but we've seen schedules shift all across the country of, well, this tournament's not playing, but this one is, and this tournament's not playing, but this one is. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the racers, you know, said, hey, we're going to play in a three-team, you know, tournament or something like that. I do not believe they'll be playing in anything that involves air travel. Correct. Uh, I think that's wh- probably wh- true. Whatever they play will be bussable. So the, oh, let's go to Texas, unlikely, although, you know, if there's something that's close in Texas is a big state, but probably nothing in uh, Arizona, California. I mean, they've been to places like that. South Dakota? Yeah. So, oh, no. I think I think we've seen enough of South Dakota. South Dakota's emerging as Thank one you. of the major locations. Thank you, Prom. Co- COVID's so. an issue, but apparently there are two or three extremely remote locations in South Dakota that are trying to push for like, let's have a tournament here. Yeah. 
So I like their governor too. So probably shouldn't have said that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you like what you like. It's all good. Um, yeah, I I'm really excited about you know what what the basketball season is going to look like. But again, it's so hard to even remotely extrapolate. Yeah. Even the games that we thought the Racers were supposed to have, with you know, with SIU, with I mean, wh- where does that all fit in right now? From a con- I don't know. from a contract. Standpoint? Everyone wants to play them, but are they playable? That's, right. I, I don't have the answer. Same to that. with Middle Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, that's part of your your schedule. And again, I I keep thinking about Auburn. You you pay you 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 logged in a two for one three four years ago. So this is supposed to be the back end of that. Well, if you can't play it because Auburn situations and SEC and timing and you know and all this, well, what are you what are you going to do? You know how do how do you get around that contractual language of well, I we said we were going to play like you know. I mean, I know COVID changes things, but you'd have to think that would be punted down the road if you couldn't fit it in in this next month. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see yeah. how it all plays out. I, it will. I still believe. Uh, we'll have football before the basketball schedule, though. For a while, I was wondering, but I, I actually now think uh, football will come first. And ba- basketball, I think, will be a little later in the month. You know, something we haven't done, we have not digressed. We haven't? Not for the most not, part. Not at all? We've done fairly well. Man. Are you I, about to? Yeah, I'm actually going to digress slightly um, into a little bit of high school coverage. Okay. Uh, obviously, last Friday was the... Uh, was the end of your high school football? That was it. My career's over. Yeah, three games. A... Three games of uh, beautiful high school football coverage and, from Neil Bradley. And just just so you know, uh, Blake Brunet is going to turn over. I uh, went three and zero against COVID in my games, and yeah. Blake couldn't even get the one game without getting a COVID. Yes, yeah, uh, it's his fault. Uh, it is not. Uh, and, and this this is. Uh, I'm not to make light of this in any way because I'm not. But uh, a Callaway uh, youngster, did, uh, member of the football team. Did test positive, and because of that, there's two weeks of quarantine for them uh, and for Hopkinsville. Yeah, very untimely because it came after one of the biggest wins in recent memory. Yeah, for the Lakers knocking off a Hopkinsville team with tremendous defense. I mean, they played well, very opportunistic, took advantage of uh, five turnovers. Uh, didn't get a lot of offense going, but Hopkinsville's really good defensively. Picked up a 14 to seven win, and now they get two weeks off. How that's going to impact? Their district uh, race, I have no idea. I don't know how any of that works. Does it go by percentages? I have no idea. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it'll be really interesting because they're going to have to try and squeeze in at least some district games. And here's the tough part about it, too. For Hopkinsville, they got the pop for two weeks. I mean, they had to take the quarantine just like anybody else because they had come into contact with Callaway. Um, I have not heard any positives or negatives come from either direction, just the fact that both teams are in quarantine. Uh, I think it's uh, eight more days at this point. They'll be able to be back into football protocol and and back to their next week of games. But uh, I think the one thing that has emerged from it, unfortunately, you have lost the Crosstown Classic between Murray yeah. and Callaway. There may be a very slim chance of rescheduling it, but I just when? I don't know. When would you play that? Yeah, it would take play... someone else to get COVID. Yeah, probably uh, on their schedules, likely for that game to be played. Yep. And 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 so you lose that game, and then I forget who Hopkinsville was originally slated to play this. Oh, week. they're I don't know which order, but it's Logan County and Madisonville North Hopkins. Okay, but I don't know which order. So they'll flip it, and yeah. they'll have to play it later. I mean, they'll I mean they'll have to play their district games as best as they can, um, no matter what the situation is. So 
The other thing that happens, though, is Paducah Tillman was supposed to play to sales this week, this weekend in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Supposed to play Friday night at about seven thirty. That's no longer the case. So now all of a sudden, you have the Murray Tigers and the Paducah Tillman Blue Tornado coming to Ty Holland Stadium. Rare football game. They don't play oh, that often. Extremely do they? rare. So I actually got to looking at it yesterday, and I hadn't realized it at all. They played the fifteen sixteen series back to back, and that was Kurt Barber, Steve Duncan. You know, those guys working that out. Steve, right. the former Murray Tiger football coach, he's going to go play his old team. Why not? So they played that two-game series. Prior to 2015, they hadn't played in 35 years. I didn't realize it had been that long. 1980. Wow. Paducah Tillman was a Class 4A team that year, and they ran all the way to the state championship. They played Murray the last game of the regular season, beat them 33-7 to at Ty Holland Stadium, and they finished the season 9-0. and Dang. And went all the way to the state championship and lost. Tillman Holy did. Smokes. So Murray finished that year four and six. I'm sorry. I, the only reason I know all this is I read the Paducah Sun yesterday. So the 1980 version of it. So who wrote the story? You remember? Uh, Ward Willingham. Yeah, I'm your old Ward. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I believe that's right. I believe it was Ward Willingham. And so, um, anyway, uh, we've we've slightly digressed, but there is some history there. I mean, I don't know what it was up until 1973. This was again more scouring for me. And Jerry Atkins wrote this story. Um, in '73, up until that point, Tillman owned an 18-2-1 record against Murray. So I don't know from '73 to '80. I'll fill that in at some point. But the record for Tillman against Murray is pretty lopsided. But the games are always like charged and energetic. And mm-hmm. I mean, the the 2015-16 games. I remember Mike uh, Mike Stunson covered one of them, and I think I was a photographer for another one. But I mean, they just. I mean, they're just they're. It's this is two of the what I would consider two of the oldest high school football programs in Western Kentucky as far as experience, uh, historical acumen, just w- what they've been in the KHSAA. Uh, Tillman was, a, I believe, became a KHSAA entity in 1918 during the during World War One. You know, and I mean, and Murray's been around. Almost as long, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the first time they met as a football program was in '33. But I'd have to go back and look. That's pre World War II, so I just don't. And it may be older than that. Like Murray and Tillman are two very historic football programs. It is surprising to see that they went 35 years without <laughs> playing each other from '80 mm-hmm. to 2015. But I. I don't know why. I was talking to Tillman's coach yesterday about it, Jonathan Smith, and I mean, you know, I mean, he's not, you know, I mean, he's not, you know, sixty thousand years yeah. old like you are, and so um, <laughs> yes, thank you, <laughs> no problem. But I'm just saying, from a historical standpoint, I mean, he doesn't know. None of us, no, I don't really know why administrations didn't meet between Murray and Tillman. You would think two A, three A football is relatively close, and Murray was. The only football program in Callaway County. There was no Callaway County right. for, for many of those years, and uh, there was no Callaway County High School for many of those yeah, years. Yeah, you had all the other the smaller schools, and they didn't have football programs. So it's not like, well, we have to play th- this game and that game. So you get Mayfield probably almost every year, and then uh, heck, I don't know who all they. You have to go through and look at this. Yeah, stuff. probably your Lone Oak, maybe. Yeah, uh, I don't know how long they've been around, but uh, you get them. I knew I do know they played Reedland uh, one year because I did a Reedland game that ended up Murray winning at four to nothing. Two safeties? Never done. Yeah, yeah. Two safeties. No one way. One was an intentional, uh, and I remember Reedland. It's the clock was winding down in the 
Um, maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 seconds left in the first half, and Reedland was like at their own one. So they think, uh-oh, and I think their punter had had some major issues, so they think this is not going to go well. Yeah, we're not giving the, it. Took the intentional safety. That's brilliant. And then kicked it off. Because two points is less than yeah, seven and points. And Murray didn't score, and then Murray ended up getting a, a safety, and it was four to nothing. You'll never see that again. I, probably not. I say that, and you'll see it this Friday. <laughs> right. But two safeties. Yes. Four to nothing. That's a baseball game. Right? I know. I know. Unreal. But anyways, I know we've talked a lot about it, but it, it, it to this day, I just don't know. Maybe it was the lopsidedness from the Tillman perspective. I mean, I'm sure Murray was like, man, we just got to we got to give this a break for a while. But then, like, you right. look at it and you're like, you give it a break for 35 years? I mean, come on. This is two of the most historic football programs in Western Kentucky. Yeah, but sometimes you get entrenched in your schedules. You do. work for you. For hey, dist- let's home and away this. Yeah, that's this works good. You have to play your district games. You do. And then you get your entrenched, uh, yeah, we like. Let's play, let's play each other every year. And it works for you, and you don't get out of the habit. I would say from a paperwork standpoint, if I'm looking just at the numbers, Tillman probably is a favorite again on Friday. I mean, you've seen them. I've seen them. I've yeah. seen them twice now. You've seen them once against they, Callaway. They're the deepest running back team I can ever recall seeing. Yeah. Usually there's no one that can run more than three guys or four. And they got, what, eight or nine? I'd say Seven le- or eight? I'd say legitimately six, and they can run another three or four JV guys that are Jeez. just as talented. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're really deep. And to me, that's what really bodes well for them if they're looking to, I don't know if they can win a state championship because I don't know what other teams have, but they could certainly compete because that's the kind of team, if they can play well defensively, you can really wear on a team by the end of the game by continually throwing running back after running back in there, especially with the multiple styles. they got the hammer guys. they got the guys that can get to the edge. Uh, really interesting team. Next week, you are on vacation, and I will be – Likely at McCracken Bowling Green football. I will also be bowling in Bowling Green two other times oh, for yeah. state golf. Uh, having just covered first region uh, golf championships, the Marshalls and Lady Marshalls pulled the sweep, pulled the double quadruple sweep. Two individual titleists in Trinity Beth, Aaron Beth's daughter. Uh, she fired a 73 one over. Seventh grader, is that what I read? Yeah, she's 13. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's also rated the number one golfer in the state. You're kidding me. No. My gosh. I, 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 I crap you not, sir. She's very, <laughs> what, very How good. embarrassing would that be? I'm going to go play this 13-year-old girl and then get absolutely toasted by her. Well, of course, toasted. it wouldn't take much for me because I'm oh, usually yeah, no. around the 110 to 120 on the golf course. She's good. She would uh, definitely mop it up. The me. the crazy thing is is a 12-year-old also qualified for the state tournament Wow. on, on Tuesday. Maddie Glisson. She's terrific. She's McCracken County star. And she is. Skylar Waller's not that old, right? Nope. Skylar's a sophomore. Sophomore, okay. Yeah, and Skylar. Skylar made the state tournament. Oh yeah. A lot of the youths. Oh yeah, the youths. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of youths for the for the for for first region girls. First region girls golf is back. You kind of had a hiatus there for a couple of years as as the girls had to mature and get older. Uh, you had Sarah McDowell. Uh, oh yeah. You know who's now obviously you know married and and dominating you know pushing you know Murray State. Yeah, for Murray State and helping them in, in Velvet's program, but it was kind of Sarah's show there for a little while, and then you had a couple years where it was like, well, it, it's going to be, you know, Taylor from Graves County, a couple others. You had Margaret Butts last year, you know, senior-led, you know, leadership, but it, the youth wasn't there. Now you have this youth infusion of women's golfers here in Western Kentucky that are going to, you know, really take things. Marshall County's girls at Calvert City Country Club on Tuesday shot a two ninety five. Man. Seven over as a team. 
That is the lowest score in the last 25 years, and maybe longer. That's just as far back as I could go. And the Beth, she has to probably be in by eight with the curfew and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. at, uh, when you're that age. There's no doubt. You know, you don't, don't want her out like at dark and stuff like no, that. No. So you got to play early. No. And then you had Jay Nemo, who was pushed That's a little bit on Monday. Stunning. At Murray Country Club by yeah. R- Rocco Zucutney, whose uh, older brother Matthew played at Murray State. Rocco's terrific. He should be the favorite next year as an individual qualifies for the state tournament but Nemo you know uh, finished strong in the final five holes to to push the marshals to a a regional title and his own individual title so double 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 quadruple feature however you want to look at that and they have slimmed down the field this year right used to first and second went now it's first yeah they did it last year actually and and it's it's kind of what ended up being the catalyst for the formation of the all-state tournament by the Kentucky Golf Coaches Association because they still accept uh, cup points and they want all five scores counting. Now, okay. for the state tournament, you take your four top scorers from your championship team. Your runner-up doesn't go, but your top seven individual golfers not on the regional championship team go. And this was all pre-COVID. It just happens to work that out. That happened last year. Conveniently for COVID this year by limiting the number of people. It train. does. And uh, there's there's no their, – their way to acquiesce and to, I guess, make people – to appease everyone was to say there's no cut. But okay, I mean, at this point, you've cut the runner-up teams, right. so you don't need a cut at the state tournament because all your top players are going to play both days. There's some pros and some cons, but you have a lot of people. Your fifth score also doesn't count at the state tournament. It's four scores, and it's just you just get you get four guys and you go. See, the guy that doesn't know golf here is like, well, we don't do that for any other sport. We don't send the champ and the runner-up to the Sweet 16. We don't. It's not the Sweet 32. Right. So the champ goes if you if you want to go win it but you don't but you also don't play basketball with only four players. That is true. And you play with that fifth player all year. Yeah. In high school golf, you do play with that fifth player all year until after the regional that, tournament. That doesn't seem fair there to me. It's odd. That part I don't like. Well, uh, considering that if you look back within the last 5 years and I have to dig better uh, but it's just been out of my wheelhouse but a fifth golfer has helped a boys and a girls team win a state title and the reasoning was to speed up play is that what we're looking at so it's fewer golfers with a okay i got you fewer golfers uh sometimes in certain situations you can run you know you can run three threesomes and instead of running foursomes gotcha uh as individuals so work out works out well for the beth girl she should be home before dart yeah so it'll work out great this year uh if they shoot seven over at the state tournament they're going to win a state championship they are the number one rated team in the in the state. Man, Marshall, the Marshals are, and Marshall County, the Lady Marshals are in the and Marshall County, the boys, I'd say I'd probably say are in the six to eight range. What is it about that school that excels basically at every sport except football? It just it's just weird. Great, I mean, a, usually if you if you're bad at stuff, you're bad at stuff. But they're really good and competitive at everything. Yeah, but just at football, they're and I realize they're in a big class, but. More often than not, they're not real good. I think, and I'm from Marshall County. I'm not knocking Marshall County. Yeah, no, I know. I yeah, school. you you were you were yeah. born there. Yeah, I was born in Mayfield, actually. I'm sorry, Didn't, my my apologies. Closer to the hospital from the, where I lived. The the Pearl of the Purchase, yeah, Mayfield. I, I guess whatever. Man, I'm thinking about this, and that's the reason why I'm kind of holding off here. I don't. I don't really know if I have a good answer for oh, it. I don't know if there's an answer, and there know. may not be an answer for it. I will say this, and I've heard this in the last but, month. 
What you have a lot of times in Marshall County is a terrific middle school program, and then they get to high school and they decide they want to do something else. I have legitimately heard that from more than one person in the last Either month. not play football or play other sports. Play other sports and, and concentrate and, on these. And football f- loses the luster. And you do, don't have the tradition, I guess. Like at Mayfield, that tradition's there. It's like, well, I'm playing football. Oh, yeah, you walk I don't in care a, about anything else. Yeah, you walk into ninth grade and you're like, well, I just better go sign up for the football team yeah. on August, August 1st. And yeah. I'm, I'm there. Like... I think maybe that's the case. You don't. You look at Marshall's history, and you've got some great Marshall County football teams. Yes, but you don't have this long string of well, we got to keep this up. You walk into high school and you're like, well, I got to go keep up boys soccer, or girls soccer, or golf, or golf, or baseball, or softball, or basketball. You know, we didn't even mm-hmm. mention, mention basketball. And you got Reed Condor Gymnasium oh, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. You walk into those places, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I got to keep up this tradition. You walk into the football field and you're like, "Meh, they won." I went to school with Reed's daughter. Just thought throw that out there. Name name drop in there, Patricia. There you go. She's smart enough to not listen to this. I yeah, know that. you're allowed to do that. Yeah. Maybe she has the answer. I don't know. She might have. But that that's what I'm saying is you walk into some of these other venues at Marshall County and you're like, turn the lights on and you're like, oh, regional champion, regional champion, regional champion, exactly. regional champion. You know, uh, individual champion, Division One, Division One, Pro, Division One. Then you walk into football and you're like, eh, they've got some banners. I'm not trying to attack anybody. Yeah, I think everybody's tried. It's just tried. not consistently awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coach Etheridge is trying to win yeah. as the first year head coach. Evan Merrick tried to win. Ron Bernard tried to win. People tried to win on and on over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Coaches are trying to get in there and get a tradition going. The school is tradition laden. Yeah, I don't. Oh, there's sure no question. Tradition is like it's Marshall Tradition County. It's that is the middle name, but as far as football is concerned, you don't just walk in there and you don't see 2019 district champions. You don't yeah. see 2018 regional champion, 2017. You don't see that for football. Yeah. And I think sometimes maybe, I don't mean that like that sounds, but and when you're a youngster and you have to commit three to four years to make something grow, I don't mean this like this sounds, but it's a little easier to go play golf. Yeah. It's a little easier to go play softball and baseball. That that expectation and that experience, uh, it's already there. And and also from, and ready to go. from where they were born, um, 1975 was their first school year. You combine North Marshall, South Marshall, and Benton. So you think, man, you're going to combine three football programs into one. Well, only one of those schools played football. Right. That was North Marshall. No one else played so you didn't get that. You had more guys, but you really never got the, uh, man, we're awesome all of a sudden. Uh, as you said, they've had some good seasons. They have. But they, uh, it has just not been consistently great like many of their other programs. Well, and the tough part about it is, too, you take a look at some of the guys, and even now at this point you've got girls playing football kicking. There are two or three girls on the soccer team that would be great kickers, mm-hmm. and there are there are several guys playing different sports all around there are other programs that mm-hmm. you th- you think, man, in a football uniform, you'd be doing some good. I'm sure, but they're not because they're off playing these other sports. I got you. So I, okay. I think that's a, I mean, that's a fair diatribe to bring up. I, I think it's been something that Marshall County has been seeking to tap into, but I think something that we can, I think there's even an allusion to it in other places in Western Kentucky when you have all of your other resources tapped to different avenues. Sometimes something has to take the back burner. That's right. And at Marshall County, I think it's football. Probably a good point. You know, and you can see that all across western Kentucky where your resources are tapped. 
it sometimes football doesn't end up being the be all end all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we see that a little closer to home more often than we think. That's so right. That's part of it. I mean, when you're good at everything, something will eventually give, and you're not going to be good at that. So, Neil, I appreciate the time, man. As always. Shut up, it. Oh, no, we already done that. Yeah, Sorry. well, at least, Don't you're, shut up, at least you're going on vacation. Are we doing a show next week because you're busy in Bowling Green? What I, are we doing? I think we'll try. We'll I try. will be in Bowling Green. We may have to do it again next Thursday before I go to Bowling Green again. That's fine. That sounds good, Neil. Can't wait for our five listeners to catch us next week. It'd be awesome. The Cardinals will be deep into their uh, division series run. May have it wrapped up by then. Did you see where Votto, I'll leave you with this, did you see where Votto said, we'll see you in the next round? Is that what he said? Yesterday. Okay. Sure did after the game. Does he have, like, tickets? I didn't know they sold it. I thought that was the World Series. I'm sure he's already... But uh, congratulations on Joey and Landing. Hey, please. listen, I'm happy for Votto to be that con- that that confident, but woo, we'll see. All right. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Neil.